Guys, Farzeen Vasugan here with you tonight for a special edition of the Chief Zone podcast. This podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. If you're a new SeatGeek customer, go to SeatGeek.com, use my promo code Farzine, and you will save $20 off your first purchase. That is only good for new SeatGeek customers only. You want to save $20 out of the thousands of dollars at the Super Bowl? Hey, use my promo code, save yourself $20, or uh, any other event you want to attend. Go to SeatGeek.com, use my promo code Farzine, save yourself $20. If you're a first-time customer, I'm very excited for this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. Bringing on a good old friend. He's been on my other podcast, Farscast, a couple of times. So this is his first time on the Chief Zone. Very excited to bring him on. Uh, former Chiefs tight end Jason Dunn here on the podcast. Jason, welcome in. Happy Super Bowl week. How are you, sir? I'm doing wonderful. I'm doing well. And I'm ready for this week to be over. I'm ready <laughs> for everything to get started. Uh, the anticipation of this game uh, has been building up. Uh, but I, I can't even imagine having to have another, what's it, four days, five days until everything gets started. Oh, man, yeah. it's You know, it's funny because uh, Sunday I'm, I'm watching the Pro Bowl to, to kill time, and I'm waiting uh, for the Chiefs to land and all of that stuff. And um, I'm, I'm just looking at the time. I'm like, exactly a week from now, we'll know. We, yeah. we will know. We will know. By the way, I got to uh, point something out because um, – I wish I took a screenshot or, or uh, did a screen grab of the video, but I didn't do so uh, in time for this. But you uh, posted a video last week or two weeks ago, rather, when the Chiefs won the AFC title game of uh, of the receipts that you have. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I love that, man. That was great. That was, that was really good. Man, there were a lot of people who had a lot of things to say about this football team. And it's not that, you know, they just had their opinions. They were very certain about the Chiefs being yeah. one and done or not even making it to this point. Mm-hmm. That's right. They were. And, I, and that's the thing about it. Huh? It wouldn't even receipts off the the, the the haters, obviously. You know, the people who go against the Chiefs, you know, the opposite team. It was our own fans, our own fan base. Yeah. They said a whole lot about they're never going to make the playoffs with this team. You know, they're going to be out of it. Let's go ahead and get ready. And I'm like, hold on. Are, are, are you truly a fan or is this like, you know, fair weather fan, fandom in a sense? And so – what I wanted to do was I wanted to bring the receipts out. I wanted to show, okay, now look, you had a whole lot of doubt, but now you're fully on the wagon. You're fully on the bandwagon, two feet in. Told you so that he's going to make it. I, 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 no, 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 no. <laughs> you wasn't that guy, you know, seven, eight weeks ago. You wasn't that guy. And so I, I thought that was interesting, you know, to at least kind of bring that out. I'll be completely honest. I had my doubts with this football team. I really did. I think a lot of people did. And I think the Chiefs kind of gave reason for people to feel that way, fans or non-fans. But here, here was my thing. I still had them going to the Super Bowl. I, I, I still had them coming to this point. My whole thing was, and I know a lot of people in the national media have brought this up, they just got to flip the switch. And I was very, I, I said they would do it. You know, I I was like, you know, 75% optimistic they would. But hey, man, you know, uh, that New Year's Eve game in week 17, they they did flip the switch. I know it was, what, six field goals and just one touchdown, but still scoring more points than usual. They flipped the switch and they did it late, which is better than ever. Yeah. To me, you know, I understand it's a process. And if I have signs of you getting better, if I see things that I'm sitting there saying, okay, there has been improvement in certain areas. Those are the things I could see. 
And I get, look, there's cause for concern, right? There's cause for concern. I, I obviously, you know, I, I do a podcast called Chiefs Concerns. Matter, matter of fact, you don't mind me. I'm going to change my hat real quick and, and, and put this on, Barzine. <laughs> I, I probably had had a chance to put it on. So Chiefs Concerns, we had concerns about it. And and and, and rightfully so, like you said, they gave any, every indication that there was problems, you know, in, in the building. There was problems in the wide receiver group. There was no continuity. There was problems in the play calling. And so everybody was wondering, yeah, when are you going to turn that switch on? When everything's going to turn over? Because it doesn't look like that. Uh, and, you know, being a former player, I understand these things are not immediate, right? But if I see just signs of things getting better, okay, I might not see it right now, but the, the result's going to happen three or four weeks later. That's what I was hoping for. But I could see those things back then. And that's that's why I was kind of I was I was all the way in. Uh, just because I know who we had in the building, I know who we have as a coach, I know who we have at the helm as a quarterback. That's what I was I was just sitting pretty with. So yeah, and to and by the way, I did not uh, do a proper uh, uh, introduction of you. Yes, you do uh, co-host Chief Concerns with uh, Marcus Stash, who I've had on my other podcasts before. So uh, if anywhere where you guys can listen to this podcast, you can check out Chief Concerns. So, yeah, please do uh, check that out. Um, you and uh, Marcus have been doing that for a couple of years now, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Yes, yes. Second year doing it. Correct. Awesome. Good deal. Good deal. Yeah, check it out if you guys haven't had a chance to do so. Uh, it's part of the Believe Network, and you guys are also now with Bleacher Report, which is really cool. I've been with Bleacher Report, so I definitely understand how uh, big that opportunity is. So good on you guys and uh, all the success you guys have had. Um, Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, uh, back to the Chiefs. Um, you know, the, the drops were such a big deal. And you mentioned play calling, and I really want your, um, your point on this because I know you've done some coaching here. A mm -hmm. lot of people were criticizing Matt Nagy and Connor Embry. Um, Nagy, of course, this is his first year as his offensive coordinator back with the Chiefs. Um, and uh, Embry, I think this is his first year as a wide receivers coach. And I know you have familiarity with Embry because his dad was your tight ends coach here in Kansas City. Um, his right. dad is a coach, his brother, his uncle. So they've got a um, they've got a lot of people in the family coaching. A lot of people criticize those two for the struggles on offense, which let me just before I let you react to that, I, I just always think the perception of the offensive coaches are weird because even last year when things were not working, Eric Bieniemy got all the blame, but when everything worked, Mahomes got the credit. Kelsey got the credit. Andy Reid got the credit. It, no one really wanted to praise uh, Bieniemy. Even recently, I, I just wrote a post on social media asking, do you think uh, Nagy and Embry redeemed themselves? And, um, you know, it was, um, I want to say 50-50, but more people were saying no than yes, even though we're at the Super Bowl now. I'm just curious, what do you think the job uh, of the of the job, I should say, uh, Nagy and Embry have done this year? Uh, so uh, I, I was one of those guys that was a little skeptical because uh, I understand how the process works. I understand, like, with, with, you know, the position coach as the coordinator, like your job is to develop talent. Your job is to develop your guys that's in your room, your group of guys, right? And so I I knew that this was going to be a very tough assignment for Connor. Okay. Take on wide receivers, uh, new guys that was coming in. Not saying he couldn't do it because obviously he has a lot of people. He's been around football, he's been around coaches, he's been around NFL teams. Yeah. Um, but you you want to see his you know, his personality to come out. And I always said this, that you are an extension as, at least as a coach with me, you, your players are an extension of you. 
right? And that's kind of a common thing that you see. Same thing goes with the offense, that the offense is an extension of the offensive coordinator, okay? How aggressive he is, you know, what plays he likes, all those different things. And so we, where everybody was, you know, uh, judging EB on what he was doing or was not doing, um, you, you know, people were just kind of, you know, kind of pulling straws. Well, I could tell a difference between, you know, plays being called this way and Andy calling. I see where Andy took over, yeah. right? Look, and, and the thing is, like, I know EB. I see at least some continuity in some of the calls. People could call them up, whatever they do, you know, the script in the plays, first 25 or 15, however coaches do it. Uh, I know all of that. And, uh, Connor and uh, Nagy at the first of the season, uh, I'll leave it like this because I'm, I'm not going to talk too much about what I do know. Uh, but getting guys on the same page when you're a young coach is something that you it, it's you it's a right of path. You got to you got to get there, right? And I think kind of got to that place of getting those guys to start understanding. Hey, man, look, this is what it's going to take. It's going to take coming in. We seen Justin Watson. Well, we're starting to come in early. We're starting to do different things, right? As wide receivers. Well, I think that's a direct, you know, reflection of Connor. Connor demanding these guys, look, we need a better standard than what you've been given out here on the field. Okay. So it does take coming into practice, it does take doing some things extra that you may not want to do, but we're going to do it, if, especially if this is where we want to go. Same thing with Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy started realizing this seven wide receiver rotation that we were doing at the first of the season just wasn't working. Okay. It's not just a plug and play. Hey, guys can necessarily do that. Uh, but he worked in Chicago. There was guys he didn't really truly know. It was new guys he had to figure out. Where EB had already been there, and he kind of knew the guys. He's a different guy than Nagy is as far as communication-wise. Okay? He's a more straightforward, hey, I'm going to tell you exactly how it is. Nagy may have a different approach. But I see Nagy start to – he started to say, okay, let's condense some of these plays down. Let's start having guys do particular things that are, you know, kind of in their wheelhouse they can do. Let's start assigning Rasheed Rice a few more plays down the field, throwing some back shoulder throws to him, maybe doing some other things with him, right? And so he he was able to get the, the playbook down where they can digest it. So it wasn't this, this whole, you know, incredible playbook that everybody had to learn. No, Rasheed Rice, this is your job, this is your duty. MVS, Justin Watson. He assigned everybody a role, and everybody had for the past few weeks at the end of the season looked different because he he realized then at that moment, this is how we have to do to, to operate. It makes it easier on you all, it makes it easier on Pat, who's running this thing. Pat and 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 Travis are doing a great job, doing a tremendous job. Yeah. But y'all need to get on the same page. And that's what we needed to see. We needed to see the wide receiver group be the ones to step up. Okay. And so when we talk about those two, because they were you know, very uh, influential on the things that they do. That's that's what we wanted to see, and it happened. They 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 did a much better job. The players started responding a little bit better to some of their coaching, the things they wanted to do. So, uh, I think they did redeem themselves. I think, it's especially Nagy, I, for me, as far as like the play calling, how it was going in, Connor himself was just asserting his foot. He that's he wanted to do assert what he wanted to do, get the guys on on the same page, being better. And he accomplished that for me.
Yeah, because I, I, I was, you know, on the fence about those guys, whether they should come back or not the following season. And listen, I, if you get to the Super Bowl, uh, you know, I, I think our p- people are still kind of skeptical, especially the second half, not scoring any points last week. Fortunately, that didn't hurt them in the game. But, um, you know, getting to this point, I think they definitely deserve uh, another opportunity at their um, at their respective positions coming back. For sure. I agree. Uh, I do think they redeem themselves. So far as let me ask you this question then. OK, okay. opinion. Right. Is this more reflection on Andy? Right. Because, you know, I, I've heard people talk about, you know, when he was up in Philly, you know, him taking away. I know a lot of people in Philadelphia saying, hey, it, it's not necessarily putting the foot on their necks. Them being a little bit more conservative approach in the second half of them destroying teams. How do you feel about that? I mean, I'm just I'm just wondering, you know, what, what do you feel? You. Are you asking like in terms of like who has more of the responsibility with the offense? Is that the question you're asking? Yes. Is this okay. is this Andy telling Nagy to pull back, or is this is this Andy's is this his show? I I said this when Bienemy was the OC, and I said it this season. I've always said this is Andy's ship. He runs the ship. I've always said that. I okay. do think at the end of the day that whoever the offensive coordinator is, whether it's Bienemy or Nagy, they I think their biggest thing is they're the enforcers. I think they enforce okay. the offense that Andy Reid wants to have. That's what I think. All right. So this is Andy. So they just call the plays. That's all they they just relaying the plays to the quarterback. They have no say in far as like what is being called. Is that, is that am I understanding that correctly? Is that is that I, what, I, what you're saying? I'm just I, I'm just I'm just wanna make sure. No, no, it's a fair yeah. question. I think yeah. a majority of the play calling yet yeah, does come from Andy. I think w- one of the things that I think a lot of people, and I agree with this, is that I think people were questioning, you know, is is Nagy holding these players accountable, especially for the drops happening across the receiver room? I think that was the biggest frustration that people had with Nagy as well as Embry is, is that uh, lack of accountability people thought that was going on during the season. But no, I, yeah, that that is kind of how I feel. I think Andy overall does run the show overall. Okay. All right. So he calls the plays. Andy calls the plays, the whole offense. I think so. so. Yeah. Yeah. So... So Nagy and EB are, I mean, they're the coordinators, but they're not making any calls. So they just, so they're just coordinators in name, in title. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, listen, we've heard so many things over the years. I'll, I'll say this. And I don't know if we've seen this often with Nagy because like in between plays, you mm-hmm. see like the coordinators get shown on TV uh, and sometimes they'll show the quarterback that's sitting on the bench. I remember many times I'd see Eric Bianami holding a play sheet covering his mouth and he's saying a lot of things. Now, again, I don't, I don't know if he's relaying the the play from Andy or what uh, you probably right. know more about that than I do, but you know, I don't think he's just saying random things into the, into the headset there. I'm sure he's saying a lot of things, but, and, and I think that's the confusing part is who really is calling the plays? Who's calling it when? Because there are a lot of people online who think that when the offense is struggling, it's Biennemi or Nagy. And that when things are working, it's Reed. That I don't agree with. That I don't agree with. Okay. okay. All right. All right. Fair statement. Honest man. Um, because that's because then it's like, okay, well, if, if you're giving, like you said, if you're giving credit and blame to somebody, then... Like who's who's actually actually running it? I, that okay. I agree with. Yes. Right. Right. So. Right. Now, I, I just I just want to ask you that because I and I I think it's where a lot of the uh, different camps are in, right? And and, and even like Travis, Travis, like, hey man, I, I you know 
Travis is like, hey, I don't know who run the play. I, I think, you know, they call it. I think it's how it happens or how it works. And I said, it's, it, you know, it's a, it's a, they're a conglomerate, right? They're yeah. a combination of things, how they do things. They're already going in as a, as a unimind, if you will, right, on what they're going to do. But do I think Andy's calling the plays, you know, on every – I don't know. That's that's what I disagree with. I don't believe Andy's calling all the plays. Um, I think maybe he might insert himself at particular times, okay, that he may designate for certain guys to do that. Nagy do maybe, I don't know, maybe have first or second down or whatever. Um, but how would they delegate it? I think how would they do it kind of works. But I, I just, you know, when when it doesn't work, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think it's fair to blame the the coordinator, right? Yeah. And then when it when it does work, well, it's Andy doing it or Patrick making these things work. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting. Um, I did want to ask you about Travis Kelsey. I mean, you being a, a former tight end yourself, uh, he just recently uh, surpassed Jerry Rice for uh, most postseason catches in uh, NFL postseason history. Also tied him for most 100 yard receiving games. In uh, playoff history, whenever you're, you know, tying or surpassing Jerry Rice for something, you, you're obviously doing something right, and, and that's an under understatement. Um, yeah. Is he the best tight end in NFL history? I, I know you played with Gonzalez, so mm-hmm. you may or may not be partial, but I'll just throw the question out there: um, Is Travis Kelsey the best of all time at his position? Uh, not yet. I still, I still think Tony has a nod, and the reason why is because. Obviously, now it's a different league in passing. It's different because Travis has a little bit more carte blanche to run the routes that he wants to get open. And our offense wasn't geared that way. It just wasn't geared like that. So we didn't have a lot of option routes. So Tony could do this, could do all those different things. Um, and so that's that's the reason I say that. I think Tony was a standard because of the things we were asking him to do as far as like the whole lot of the inline blocking, but Travis is a very capable blocker. He does a, a tremendous job. I look at it like this. I say Tony and Travis are the best tight ends ever played a game, and they both play for the Chiefs. That's the way I look at it. So they're one and two. However, somebody wants to designate them, I say they're one and two. You know, however you want to place it. Right now, I, I get the nod. Obviously, I, I do have some bias. I watch Tony every single day. I know how he got better. Travis is a tremendous talent. The things he's able to do, TG wasn't able to get the yak yards like 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 Travis. Okay, he wasn't. Uh, but I think Tony, at least in my mind, when I'm talking about able to make catches, like in traffic, amongst two or three different people, I used to see Tony get double and triple team all the time, like guys hanging on him, and he'd go up and make a catch. Those are things I would see. Okay, and maybe some people who who doesn't know the history of Tony Gonzalez or seen him do things like that. Don't quite know. And he even took that with the longevity of playing 17 years. I've seen him miss one game. Barzine, one. When I'm talking about durability, this man was a machine. He was an absolute machine. Yeah. So that's, that, that's what I look at. So I look at, you know, some, maybe some, uh, uh, the difficulty, but also to longevity of what Gonzalez is able to do. And, if he if he had the 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 offense to do what he wanted to do, who's who's to know how many yards he would have, how many catches he would have? You yeah. know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. So and it, that's not taking anything away from Travis. I'm just talking about Tony. But when I talk about Travis, I'm it's in the same echelon that we're talking. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that that's the way I look at it. So what what do you make of like the commentary around him in the last 12 months? Because he had the Saturday Night Live uh, opportunity and he's been in a lot of commercial. It's always funny whenever the Chiefs struggle. I because I remember this two years ago. What was it? Two years? Yeah, two years, two seasons ago. Whenever the Chiefs started three and four, that weird little start. Whenever a Mahomes commercial came on, people like criticized the commercial, and like that was the reason why the Chiefs are struggling, even though they filmed them like months before. Um, and then his yeah. relationship with Taylor Swift, which is such a huge deal, um, and people think like he's not in it anymore. Yet he just had a monster game against the Ravens. What do you make of all the reactions that people have? Because to me, the way I see it is he's living life just like any other player who has a wife or girlfriend. It's just yeah. his girlfriend happens to be the biggest superstar in the world right now. Yeah, I, I think all all the, the criticism of him and Taylor Swift and him doing a commercial is completely ridiculous. I think it's childish, man, to be honest with you. I think with them two, hey, man, they're, they're, they're two people who really like each other, love each other, and they're having fun. Like, why would you not celebrate that? That's, that's perfect for it. Uh, you can have whatever bias you have on Taylor Swift not wanting to see her at the game or, you know, showing her every other play. Okay, fine, whatever. But you can't take away from what she's she's accomplished. You know, one of the be- biggest stars on the planet. Okay, and then we're talking about Travis, who's just a great guy. The things he has, they complement each other so well, so well. And then, of course, you're talking about, you know, the things, you know, because people were talking about, it. I was defending Travis. Oh, he's done lost a step. He's not no good. Look at him. In it. I'm like, dude, like, it's just crazy to understand the amount of things he had to do over the time of the years that, yeah, anybody's going to get worn down. Travis is still playing at a high level. He's still killing folks every single day. He got nicked up at the very beginning of the season. People forget that. that he had to have a little cleaning out, right? Yeah. Missed the first game of the season. So, yeah, he comes in with a little injury. Will he have a little bit things still bothering him? Sure, absolutely. No doubt about it. So his durability may be in question, but as far as his ability was never a question to me, never a question. And so I, I just thought it was crazy when people were just talking at it. It was almost like they was trying to walk him into the retirement. You know, seriously, that's, that's how it sounded. Yeah. Like, man, y'all are some fools out here right now. It was just foolishness is what I was getting. So like I said, he's as dominant as ever. He's still the best tight end in the game. There's no question about it to me. Yeah, and I think people for you. I'm glad you brought up the injury in week one because he try, had to overcome that. He suffered um, an ankle injury in that Minnesota game. I, I know he got uh, nicked up in the um, in the Patriots game. Like he's been battling through all of that. Didn't play the first game of the regular season. Didn't play the last game of the regular season. And he was still like you know either top two, top three, top four in catches and yards among all tight ends. I think only George Kittle had more receiving yards than him amongst all tight ends. Kittle was the only 1,000 yard receiver out of all tight ends. Yeah. And, you know, I think people forget that. Has, have, have Kelsey's numbers gone down? As you said, yeah. I mean, he, you're going to get worn, worn out a little bit, but he's still playing at a higher level than really just about every tight end right now. Yeah. And, and the thing is, you know, he had to, it was even more difficult for him because other people around him weren't playing as well, right? The wide receivers weren't playing as well. Yeah. So now we had to get the ball to, you know, to Travis Kelsey, meaning, uh, I, he has he has to take more hits. He's got to take more hits on his body. There's more thing he has to do. 
And so when I heard Reed talking about like, man, it was good for him to get a little break where he didn't get the, you know, he could have got a thousand yards, but they gave him the game off at the end of the season. Okay? I, I, th- I thought that was huge, by the way. It was huge. I, I thought they was going to let him play so just so he can, you know, continue with, you know, the streak. And yeah, no, they, they didn't. And, but Reed was seeing, he could see the, the long game. And it was like, look, there's no sense putting you at risk. Everybody knows how great you are. We, we shoot, you got, you know, the, the consecutive thousand yards or, you know, seasons you have that right now so look if uh if i'm not mistaken right he still has you know the the you know for tight ends you know thousand yard seasons in a row consecutive. oh yeah um and so that wasn't going to diminish his his legacy whatsoever but it was about him getting healthier you know like the little nicks the little things right as a player knows i shoot i played being 12 years in the nfl I know how my body felt after the games. I know how the body felt after practice. I know how my body felt after the season. And so you're always constantly trying to maintain as much as you possibly can maintain. Well, when it becomes more difficult is because more th- it's thrown on your shoulder, more pressure thrown on your shoulder. But I, I just I just didn't believe, I, I thought it was silly, you know, some of this conversation, man, that they were having around him of not just being the same guy. And, and you didn't even take the injury into account. I just, I didn't, I didn't like that at all. By the way, are you able to see the the chat on your end, Jason? Oh, hold on. Okay, not that you have to. Um, yeah, I can yeah. put it up, but uh, you've got uh, you got some compliments here. Blake says that you you look like you could still put a hurting on someone. Robert says uh, that man is yacked. Um, any any chance you could you could come out of retirement, or or is that out of the question? <laughs> no, yeah, that's a hey, that's a heck no, hell no, yeah, I'm, you know. I'm done. You know who I saw a couple of years ago at a grocery store? I don't think you played with him, um, but he was with the Chiefs for a few years. He had a monster game on defense against uh, Roethlisberger once, Andy Studebaker, and he's very well retired at this point, but I just saw him at the grocery store. I'm like, holy shit, that guy looks huge. Like, he still looks like he could play. Is that right? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, look, you know, guys stay in pretty decent shape. I I try to, you know, eat right. Uh, I, I I'm getting back into my workouts like I should have, you know, and I'm I'm being a little bit more yoked up, a lot more leaner. That's what I need because you know, getting older, I need to lose all this this extraness I got around me, you know. So uh, all up here still looks good, man. So I appreciate the compliment from everybody up there for sure. Um, I got I got to go back to the whole um uh, Travis and uh, Taylor thing. Did you see Andy Reid's uh, press conference today by chance? I didn't. I think I caught a little snippet. I think he was okay. he was. Uh, at least expounding on what they ask about the whole Taylor Swift and Biden and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually where I want somebody from Germany flew all the way to Las Vegas and listen rates for hotels and all that stuff in Vegas. Uh, they're pretty high. So this guy came all the way to Vegas and asked Andy Reed about, you know, uh, and it's funny how he started the question. He was like, yeah, you know, technology has changed so much over the years since you coached, which had nothing to do with this question. And then he goes, so do you think, uh, what do you think of um, Kelsey and Swift being here just so they can endorse Biden? And Andy Reid just, <laughs> Andy Reid laughed. Um, look, I know you've seen the conspiracy theories online. There are a lot of people that are saying that the game is rigged towards the Chiefs. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I just want to know, like, as a former player, what's your reaction when you hear that people think the ref have favorites or that the league is trying to rig games for a team or for a specific player? I, I just I think it's bananas, man. I think it's crazy. I, I, don't, I don't I don't even see how people wrap them hells, the, their heads around these conspiracy theories. 
that everything's scripted and helping the Chiefs out and whatnot. Well, shoot, they should have helped us out during the season. We wanted the, you know, the number one bid. How about that? We wanted the number one seed. We didn't want to be on the road. That's not what we wanted. So, I, to me, it just is, is, is just is foolishness to me, honestly. And and Andy laughed as he should have because it was a crazy and silly question, right? But he was so gracious and still answered the question like he did. Hey, man, look, I, you know, so. It, it, those things, man, they're entertaining. I get people may get to, you know, these things and having it. I don't know, man. Everybody lives in their own head, their own little world, the way they want to. I just, I, look, if I had known that, I would have said something to the script writers about my role in playing with the Chiefs, getting more footballs thrown my way, maybe not taking some of these injuries like I should have, right? I needed to have a conversation with the script writers, man. Shoot, because I didn't like that at all. Um. <laughs> It's funny. I, I don't know who has time to think about these things, but it's Super Bowl 58. Well, what's five plus eight? Taylor Swift's favorite number, 13. The 49ers, what's four plus nine? 13. She's traveling from Tokyo to, to Vegas for the game. It's a 13-hour flight. What's the date uh, for the Super Bowl? February 11th. Two plus 11 is 13. I mean, I don't know who has time to think of all these things, but if I had that much time on my hands, I, I won't tell you, like, like there would be a lot of things I would love to do with my time if I really had the time, the time to think about those things. Um, what is that? That, that, that? What is that called? Like the numerology or the grammatic? What's that? The grammatia? Something like that. Grammatica? Something. Uh, but that, it is like with numbers that could tell, you know, the future or whatever. The, yeah, I, I think, man, if people start doing that, it becomes batty. They're, they're batty to me. So... I, I'm surprised we haven't seen, you know, Kelsey's number eight plus seven is 15 and he's a two time Super Bowl champion. So minus two, that's 13. Surprised we haven't seen that one yet. Um, oh, it, it will. Somebody bring it up. Somebody. somebody. Um, I do want to talk about the um, the 49ers offense because they've been great all year. I, I definitely think this is the most loaded 49ers offense the Chiefs will face. But I do think that this um, this 49ers offense has not faced a defense like the Chiefs defense. Um, there is a little bit of a secret out there to beat the, the 49ers. So, for instance, the 49ers are 1-3 when Christian McCaffrey is held to 55 yards or below. And then for Brock Purdy, uh, whenever... Um, Whenever he throws multiple interceptions, which he has done three times this year, uh, the yeah. 49ers uh, do lose all of those games. So this is going to be um, definitely going to need one more big game from that defense. I think they're capable of it. Listen, they have faced so many great wide receivers. They faced the MVP last week and held him in check. Yes, sure, mm -hmm. they imploded at times. But, you know, LJ Snead doing what he does, you know, I, I don't think that's an accident, him uh, forcing that fumble uh, with Zay Flowers on his way to the end zone. The defense has done a lot. I think you need just one more big game. Um, what's your reaction to that? No, I, I agree with you 100%. I think the key to this game is stopping Christian McCaffrey, without a doubt. Uh, you just can't let him have a big game. You bottom him up as much as possible, and a lot of it has to go through uh, just making sure that your, your gap sound and everything you're doing. It has to be lane integrity, everything that's going on on defense, and it's the guys up front. The guys up front, on the defensive line, has to have a monster game and let the linebackers run. Let your coverage guys, obviously, with I think we have the best secondary in the league. Uh, Spags, let them guys play, and I, I would do the same thing. So I would come at the Purdy. Yeah, he's he's great against the, the the pressure, but yeah, if you run a little bit more stunts, you run some twists, uh, you bring a little bit six or seven. We do a much better job with the press on cover one. 
You know, that's what we do. We don't we don't sit back and give him room to throw. Uh, and so if you do it with Ayuk, uh, Jennings, and, of course, Debo, uh, then you'll be fine. So I'm looking for the big game to come from definitely our defensive ends and our interior guys and our linebackers as well uh, because that's where the game is going to be won up front. I'll say that again. Uh, but, hey, man, Christian McCaffrey is is a very talented guy. I mean, I've watched the games that they lost. i watched the games that they're very close. Uh, he makes cuts that – I was like, wow, this this dude, and I know he was excited, you know, very talented. But defensively, the things they started doing against him was, yeah, make him start and stop. Make him have to change direction, try to beat you to the outside with his legs now. Don't let him just hit the hole immediately. Let him try to do something else. And they rattled around just tackling him. And we do a great job of just rallying and tackling. And I think we'll do that too. As long as we have a lot of good team tackling, we'll, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. So, yeah, I'm very excited to see uh, how this Chiefs defense does whenever uh, the 49ers want to pass. Obviously, they're going to go run heavy as they should. But, man, that um, I saw Chase Daniel on NFL Network last night bring this up. He said, you know, from the center, the right guard and the right tackle for the 49ers, they're 30th in pressure rate allowed. And when you look at John uh, Felicino, I think is how you say it. He's allowed six pressures in two playoff games so far. Colton McGivitz. Um, he allowed the 10th most pressures and he also allowed nine sacks, which is tied for the fourth most this year. That's if I'm not mistaken, that's who George Karloftis is going to be lining up against for a lot of this game. Uh, listen, yeah. if I, if I had to throw out a possible defensive MVP for the game, and I know that doesn't happen often, but if, mm-hmm. if there was ever one to, to bet on, uh, I don't think George Karloftis would be uh, a bad bet because he's got a uh, right tackle who has struggled a lot this year. That to me is kind of like the the secret matchup for the Chiefs. If they can, uh, if George Karloftis can win that, I love Kansas City's chance of winning this game. I I, I think he has a great matchup, and also too, I think uh, Chris Jones. Mine would be on Chris. I think Chris, because of the, the guards inside, Chris can take advantage of him, and I think they haven't really seen a guy like Chris come in and, and actually do damage. That is going to be the, the turning point, especially the inside legs, right? The A and the B gap where Chris just, he, he roams. And he's he's very talented, best in the league at it, uh, just throwing guys by. His pressure is going to cause Brock Purdy to get the ball out faster than what he wanted to get it out. You know, that big Paul getting up in the air, right? Knocking some of those balls down, getting into the passing lanes. Uh, I think Spikes, he'll probably, you know, emphasize that too. Let's reiterate getting your hands up. You can't get to him, get your hands up. Do something else, knock it down. Uh, and so some Aaron passes, maybe some batted passes, you know, get some turnovers that way. Uh, but George, without a doubt, I think is going to have – I said this. I think I said George is going to have a sack. Chris is going to have two. And then everybody else, how they'll flip their end is, is what it's going to be. So see here on the chat, uh, Trent Williams versus Chris Jones is going to be a hell of a matchup. Shoot, Trent said he ain't going to have Chris. Chris ain't going to go against Trent. Ain't no need going out there. Let somebody else have Trent. Let Chris get the guys, the the, the lower guys. Let him destroy that. Right? <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that's very interesting. Chris Jones, obviously, you know, he's a defensive tackle, but I remember Mm -hmm. a a couple of years ago, the Chiefs tried him out at defensive end and and it just didn't work out well. But if you watch uh, the defense closely, how they line up, you see Chris Jones lining up at different spots on that defensive on that defensive line. Sometimes I've I've always thought that was interesting. Oh, yeah. Like I said, it's all about matchups. So I'm going to take advantage of a guy who is who's who's less than Finn Williams. Right. And so if if the right tackler he's he's struggling, then Chris 
is going to feast on him. He's just like, man, take advantage of that. That's what Spags going to do. So there's no need for Spags on an ego trip to go after Trent Williams when you don't need to. Shoot, put somebody else over there on, on, on that, right? So you occupy Trent Williams. But what you what that also does is that makes Christian McCaffrey have to come in and help out on Chris Jones or maybe Kalafkis, right? So it takes him out of the passing game as well. So there's, there's a lot of benefit from those guys making it very tough on the on the tackle and the guards on the inside. No doubt about it. I do want to uh, go back to the Chiefs offense and talk about Isaiah Pacheco because um, I still remember when the Chiefs drafted him and I was kind of surprised just like doing research on him and seeing, you know, why he got drafted late. I couldn't really comprehend it. And I think, you know, even announcers last year were saying, how is this guy a seventh round pick? He almost went undrafted. And you're you're just seeing this guy take over, and he's been a huge part of the offense the last few weeks since they flipped the switch, which we were talking about earlier. You played with two really good running backs, uh, great running backs in Priest Holmes and Larry Johnson. This franchise has seen a lot of great running backs over the years. Um, I think when you compare the running backs, I mean, you can say a lot of great things about, um, like the first trait that comes up about Priest Holmes or Larry Johnson, um, Christian Okoye, Marcus Allen, uh, Mike Garrett, Kareem Hunt, all these running backs, Jamal Charles, so many great, you know, um, skill sets, like the first skill set comes to mind, you can say about those guys. But the thing about Isaiah Pacheco, the first thing I think of with him is his toughness. Mm -hmm. And I don't think of that when I think of those other guys, not to say they're not tough, but we just see a different side of that with Pacheco. Uh, What are your thoughts on Isaiah Pacheco? Uh, I, I think he's very tough, and and I mean Priest was very tough. Larry's was very tough. They they taken a lot of different hits. Uh, they ran the ball more than Pacheco also. So, but what Pacheco brings you, and I think because he's a seven round pick, was directly reflected on the guys up front. And you know I'm not here to say anything bad about his offensive line. It is what it is. You know they weren't very good. Uh, Fred Rutgers blocking for him. So when you don't get to see what a guy can actually do. Yeah, he's going to kind of fall to the wayside. I think the Chiefs did a great job scouting out and getting me here. Now, when you do have a, a very for, formidable offensive line, now you get to see the talent that Pacheco had. Now you can tell the churning of the feet. You can tell the motor that he has. You can tell his toughness that he he brings to the table. And so I love it because he just has the attitude and everything. It's a positive attitude. If you're going against him, it's like a, a pissed off guy that's running. You know, he's trying to, he's just trying to run through you, just turn his feet. And so a guy like that, I see now what teams are trying to do is, uh, and maybe this is just me, but when they do tackle him, they try to lay on him a little bit longer. Okay. Cause they know he's going to come up like this swinging and all of that. Right. Yeah. So um, they're not going to be able to run the toughness out of him. Our key is to run with Pacheco, get him going. Pacheco has to have at least, at least 15 carries, at the very least 15 carries for this game. Uh, and, and if they don't, man, that, that would be a travesty. It, it really yeah. would. But uh, Isaiah Pacheco is the one that gets things going for us on offense. I, I just, listen, I know a lot of people were talking about McCole Hardman and Kadarius Tony wants to, you know, redeem himself in the Super Bowl. And as much as, you know, I, I, I've defended those guys because of their skill set and whatnot, Especially like Hardman, he had two touches for two fumbles in that Buffalo game. 
And I don't know yeah. why they ran the ball with him at the one yard line when Pacheco and Clyde were doing so well in that game. It's like, man, just mm-hmm. stick to your strengths. Um, it, I, I just want to see, I just want to see them because the chiefs have been running the ball a lot more lately than they usually do, which is not Andy Reid's MO. He's right, been, right. always been a pass heavy guy, even though he's had a lot of great running backs in Kansas city and Philadelphia. So I, I agree with you. I mean, you got to give that guy a lot of carries in this game. And if you don't, I think it's really going to hurt your chances of winning the game, especially controlling time of possession. Possession. I think that's a really underrated stat as well in the NFL. Oh, no, no doubt about it, because you're just moving the change. You keep the ball at the up the you know the, the opposing team's hands. Okay, so that's less you know carries for uh, Christian McCaffrey, less chances for Debo to have in his hands and Ayuk and Brock Purdy to do his his business. Get those guys out there, get them cold. Uh, and I think the last game, the element we see from Macheco is lining up outside and catching the ball. Yeah, he got the ball outside. Look, he looks so natural. I'm like, oh my gosh! Like, can you imagine adding that part to it? Where he's lining up one on one with a Mike linebacker or a linebacker or maybe a safety, he's gonna beat them all day. And he caught the ball with his hands; it just looks so smooth with it. Um, and so we know we gotta get the ball in his hands. His hands, Pacheco, Kelsey, and Rice. Those are three guys we need to get the ball in their hands. That that's that's a must. That's a must for us to win. Yeah. And so everybody else adds into it. And so I don't know where the role of McCole Hardman, hopefully McCole see what's going on on the other side, and we give him a little ball, maybe take the top off the defense every once in a while, right? Or, you know, Kadarius Tony. I don't know if – if I don't know what that's going to be. We don't know. Yeah. So the thing is, we know what our core guys are going to be able to do, and we need, we need to feed them the ball. That's our core guys. Uh, but I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really worry about McCole – and Kadarius are very talented guys, okay, and they can help us. So I just didn't like, just like you, Farzee, I didn't like the whole run it on the one-yard line, doing a jet sweep or whatever it was. Yeah. I thought it was a bad call because you try to outrun the defense who runs better side to side. You had six DBs in. They want you to run outside. They don't want you to run downhill. You know, run behind the big tackles. Run downhill. That's what I like. So it's going to be good for us. A couple other questions before we let you go, Jason. Uh, I do want to talk about your time in Kansas City. Um, obviously, uh, a, a terrific offense uh, playing under uh, Dick Vermeil, who went into the uh, Hall of Fame uh, last year, which was very good to see. I'm sure you enjoyed that. Um, what uh, what made that offense uh, so special? Why was that offense able to thrive the way they, that it did? Man, we we had we had attitude. We we got we had guys in the huddle that we knew was going to get the job done. When I'm sitting over, I'm looking at, you know, uh, Willie Rofe, uh, Brian Waters, Casey Wigman, uh, uh, Will Shields, whether it was John Tate or, or you know, uh, 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 Tony Gonzalez, Priest Holmes, Larry Johnson, I'm, you know, T. Rich, Trent Green, you know, Johnny Morton, Eddie Kennison, all the guys I'm sitting over looking at, I know these guys are going to get their job done. We just had a mindset in us that we were the best. That's what bottom line. It didn't matter what we were doing, what we were running. We knew we was going to get the job done. Teams knew where we were running, and they still couldn't stop us. We almost dared teams like, yeah, we're running right here. Yeah, here comes Dunn in motion. They're running to Dunn. Yes, we are. Stop us. Come stop us because we're going to come out, and we're going to hit you in the mouth. And so that's, that's what our attitude was. And we were that extension, like I was telling you, that extension of an Al Saunders. Because that's how Al believed yeah. in it. 
Al believed in attacking defenses. He was going to give them so many things to look at, but even more so than anything else, we're just going to out-tough you, okay? Because we got the guys up here to do, that can do it. And the guys, I, I look at a lot of similarities on this young Chiefs offensive line. Got a lot of similarities there. I like Donovan Smith's toughness. Joe Thune, he's not going to play, but Allegretti coming in, doing a great job, oh, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that's consummate pro. That's what you love to see. Young Creed going out there, I mean, hitting guys in the mouth, not backing down from anybody. Trey coming in, biting people in their neck. And Juwan Taylor doing his thing out there, right? And so I like our physicality up there up front. So I see a lot of similarities there with that, man. I, I just want Andy to trust our guys. And then we talk about Priest Holmes and those guys up, up, you know, in the backfield, Isaiah Pacheco, hand the ball off to them. So I think it's what made us dangerous. That's what make these guys dangerous too, just the mentality and the toughness they got. I'll never forget 2013 uh, when the Chiefs started 9-0 that year, and that was, you know, when social media was a, was a big deal at the time, and you could just yeah. feel the um, – just the um, atmosphere on social media and just the excitement and all of that. We didn't have social media back in 2003, but that was uh, also uh, the exact same start where the Chiefs started 9-0 that year. The difference was, is you know, Dick Vermeule was a returning head coach and you had a lot of the same guys you had the year before. But what was yeah. 2003 like with the way you guys were winning some games with Dante Hall? His name was in the MVP discussion. I know the defense was not great the entire time, but the defense did lead the NFL in picks that year and uh, so many other great things with that team that year what was 2003 like oh man i mean you know when you win it like that you you're on top of the world like we we, we felt you know invincible we really did coming to the locker room we knew we were good so you know we came out walking with our chest out you know it didn't matter we was walking in the stadium i remember chad johnson saying how oh, we gonna beat him he's like oh, oh man yeah, <laughs> yeah we've been, we been whooping everybody we, we ain't worried about the Bengals, and then we fought and it's like oh my gosh how that happened so that year we should have won the super bowl i think we had the best team in the nfl uh and we should have did it that year and so that was a year that we had there was no the no fumble playoff yeah. game or, or no no no, no uh, yeah 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 no no punt playoff game no punts in the game. Why? Because both offenses were dominant. You know, we just had to go against that, that long-headed joker, uh, uh, Peyton Manning on the other side that has some some really uh, uh, dangerous weapons on the outside throwing the ball to Oh, man, yeah. It was just unfortunate, man. It was unfortunate. We had, we had the best team in the NFL that year. We should have won it. Where were you um, when Dante Hall had that crazy reverse touchdown against the Broncos? Were you on the field or were you on the sidelines watching that? No, I was I was uh I was on the sidelines. I was on the sideline watching it, cause I remember him catching it, and him running backwards. And I was like, oh shoot, he ran into the end zone. But then you see it kind of open up, and once he started taking off, when he seen that hole, I was like, oh, he's gone. I already knew it. I already knew it. But him just reversing field, and it just it you know I seen the one block that they made. I I just knew it was over. But Dante had it in him every time he had, you know, he got the chance to get the ball in his hands. Oh, we've seen that. And, and I just seen him do some incredible things. Another guy we've seen in the huddle that I already knew, like, oh, shoot, this ball's going to Dante. I'm going to see how many people he can make, you know, make miss. So he, he had a rare ability, just a rare ability, man, that, you know, needs to be celebrated, and it was. So I think his best touchdown uh, that he had was against the Raiders that didn't count. 
Um, it looked like he was down, but his back was on top of one of the Raiders defenders. So he and Kelsey did something very similar in the Dolphins playoff game this year where yeah. you know he was on top of another guy, just kept going for a few more yards. And Dante just ran all the way to the end zone. And uh, I think he kind of knew by the time he went to the end zone that it was getting called back. But I thought, I mean, just things like that. Uh, you know, it, it was always fun watching him do his thing. Yeah, man. I just, I've said, I've seen him just do so, so many, many things. But that, yeah, that one, uh, Travis, and that's just that football IQ, just knowing your body's not down, right? Yeah. Hey, man, I didn't touch. And I know Dante was like, man, I didn't touch. I know I'm low to the ground and probably look like that, but I know I did not touch. So, uh, nah, man, it, it, it's, I've seen some great, great football over the years. Uh, but Dante is one of the special ones, man, that I've seen uh, do it the best, no doubt. I think the last time I had you on the podcast, Jason, uh, you were just uh, coming uh, just coming off uh, coaching the NFA PA Bowl. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. Yeah, yes. and they, they they didn't have that this year. Is that? They didn't, yeah, they didn't have it this year. Uh, I, I think they just want to kind of concentrate on you know the Senior Bowl, you know, in the East West Shrine. Uh, but um, it was a great opportunity for guys to be seen. Yeah, uh, and no, that that was why we had the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl. Uh, and matter of fact, shoot, there was a number of guys that made it this year on teams that played in that that game. So it was unfortunate they have it this past year. Uh, but go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say, um, you've been doing a lot of coaching, but I'm not too familiar with your coaching background. Uh, are you still coaching today, and where at? No, I'm, I'm so I'm not coaching right now in the present time. Right now, I'm doing a little bit more kind of consulting. I do a little bit more on my podcast. You know, I got my, you know, my foundation done for kids and I'm just kind of like helping everybody out. I do a lot of, you know, public speaking, you know, at, at, at schools, uh, businesses. So I do a little bit of uh, more of that. I went down to the, uh, after the coaching convention, spoke on a forum about getting to coaching. So when I retired, I've just given my, my coaching background. When I retired, I got into coaching, I coached my son, uh, then the four years of high school, went to Kentucky State University, did four years there. I coached every position, tight ends. I was special teams coordinator, tight ends coach, wide receiver coach, uh, helping the high school uh, run game coordinator. I was a coordinator one game. Uh, so we, I, I've, I've got into coaching my other son when he was in junior high, and then that's when I got out of it. Like oh, okay. around the time of the pandemic is when I actually got out of coaching. And so I, I, seeing the need to reach kids more and further than just being on one team. And so I wanted to reach all the kids. I want to reach all the teams. And so that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah. I, I think I remember uh, we did a pot. I think the first podcast we did together, you mentioned your foundation, you were trying to get it uh, started and get it going. And it sounds like you've, uh, you've been able to uh, get the wheels on that moving. Uh, tell us more about that foundation. Uh, what is it about and uh, how can uh, someone get involved and help out with it? So we, we, my foundation is called Done for Kids. And so this is what we want to do. We want to promote uh, having better people, giving kids a blueprint for life, um, you know, showing them values, uh, giving them skill sets that they need as far as, uh, you know, like I said, going through life. And, and part of it is where we're giving part of the money and foundation money to people that's in need. Uh, I did a, uh, a foundation, a golf tournament scramble with uh, Eddie Montgomery, and we gave up to forty thousand dollars to the team, well, people in, in East Kentucky from flood victims. And so we just been doing some awesome things, man. So I also work with our Delphi Kids Foundation. Uh, you can look at it. 
where I'm seeing uh, maybe on Twitter, able to get to it. Uh, I'm trying to get my, my website up and running now, but I'm still with the Greater Kansas City Foundation. You can still go to that uh, and give to uh, to the Dunn for Kids Foundation uh, there. So Okay, awesome. Good. Uh, so hopefully uh, people check it out if they're interested and um, uh, can uh, definitely contribute to that. So very cool that you're uh, you're doing all that. Uh, I know some people have been going in and out of the live stream tonight. Uh, so for those who may be joined late, you uh, co-host the Chief Concerns podcast. Uh, for those who maybe missed it earlier, um, how can they follow you on social media and how can they uh, check out the podcast? Well, we're, we're on Apple, Spotify and, and YouTube. You could look up Chief Concerns. Uh, you see it right here. Chief Concerns. Uh and you know just like and subscribe come listen to us man we just talk some good football we talk about some of the older guys we have some of the current guys on our on our squad and we kind of get into it man just like the, the the whole football the whole aspect the inner workings and we talk to the coaches about what they did and how it all looks and the players and we give you some great stories we got plenty of great stories uh from over the years uh very entertaining uh that we talk about it me and my co-host marcus dash and uh uh uh, Eric Warfield was on there with us. Uh, Eric comes on every once in a while and, and gives us, hey, what's going on? Just a, a nod and stuff. So it's, it's a good time, Fazine. It, it really is. But that's where you find us. And of course, we're on Twitter. Chief Concerned, you see me. I think it, mine is Jason's uh, TD89 something. I don't know. I, the Instagram names, I'm on Instagram <laughs> too. Try to get on TikTok. I don't think we have a Facebook page, but you should be able to find us. You put in Chief Concerns, Jason Dunn, you should be able to find us. And uh, me and Marcus Dash. Uh, before sure. I before I forget, and I lied, I do have one more question. You got a score and an MVP for uh, for Sunday's game? Uh, so yeah, so I'll, you you'll be the first one to get my score. So my score, oh, okay. I actually have it uh, twenty seven and twenty one. Okay, I love and it. Chief, Chiefs. Who, who, who's your MVP? MVP, I think it's going to be PM fifteen. I think okay. it's going to be PM fifteen. So, all right. Okay. Third MVP yeah. at the age of 28, man. That, that He's living the big life. <laughs> hey, man, look, this man's got to focus on what he's doing. All the distractions, everything that's going on around him, Yeah, he's not worried about any of it. He is focused up, and that's exactly where his needs to be, and he understands that, and I think everybody else around there understands that too. Awesome. So. Well, Jason, uh, it's always great talking to you. Uh, I've checked out clips of your uh, podcast over the years, listened to some episodes as well. Uh, great stuff. And uh, take care of yourself. Enjoy the game on Sunday. And please uh, give my best to Marcus. I haven't talked to him a whole lot in a long time. So uh, please tell him I said hello. I will, Fuzzy. Man, I appreciate you, brother, man. You do some great work, man. I'm always following all the stuff you do, man. I like your, your thing. And everybody who is in the trap, thank y'all for coming and, and coming out and seeing us. Hey, go Chiefs, baby. We're going to oh. get this victory. That's what's, what's going to happen. <laughs> awesome. Looking forward to it. Jason, thank you so much. You take care of yourself. Right. We'll uh, we'll keep okay. in touch. All right. You too. All right. That is Jason Dunn, former Chiefs tight end, also the co-host of the Chief Concerns podcast. So uh, check it out. And uh, also check out his uh, foundation, uh, Done for Kids, um, through the um, through the uh, KC Foundation there. All right. So you heard it from him, 27 to 21, Patrick Mahomes as the uh, as the MVP for that game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, listen, that 2003 season, man, I'll never forget that. Just the, um, just the offense and the special teams. And I, I know the defense was not great during that era of football, but that year, man, the defense did a lot of great things. So, uh, that was a lot of, um, that was uh, really cool. Yeah. I've had uh, Jason on my other podcast, Farce cast. That was when I discontinued the chief zone and never thought I'd bring it back, but, uh, here we are. Here we are uh, doing it again. So this was Jason's uh, Chiefs' own debut. So very cool uh, to have him on here for sure. 
Uh, so big thanks to Jason. Big thanks to all of you guys for downloading and listening to the podcast. For those of you who watch live on Facebook and YouTube, big shout out to you guys as well. I'll be back tomorrow, 7 o'clock Central Time. It will be uh, our last breakdown of the season. Win or lose, we can confirm it'll be the final game breakdown of the season because it's the Super Bowl, obviously. So Chiefs. 49ers uh i have uh been doing all the stats for this one uh, you've heard some of it already on this podcast uh offense defense special teams we're gonna break it all down tomorrow night so again seven o'clock central time live on facebook and in youtube and if you missed the live version you can check out the podcast version as well on apple spotify pretty much anywhere where you can download a podcast so check it out make sure you are following and subscribed uh, to my social media and to the podcast. All right. Once again, thank you to J- uh, Jason Dunn. I almost said Jason Whitlock. Boy, what an insult that would have been. Uh, Jason Dunn on the Chief Zone. A big thanks to all of you for downloading and listening, checking out the podcast. My name is Farzine Vesugian. I am out. I will talk to you all tomorrow night. Take care. <laughs>